This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. In a recent broadcast, we had Tim Simmons talking about how to start a church planting movement on a shoestring budget. In this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the recording of that broadcast. You can find the full notes on everything that Tim said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 106. So here is Tim Simmons. We're looking at uh, the issue this evening of how to start a church planting movement on a shoestring budget. And I've been uh, given about half hour to talk. Uh, and I don't know if I'll talk that long, but we'll, uh, we'll see how we do. Uh, and um, then we'll look at some questions as well, if there are any. And um, you can tweet us or on Facebook as well, I think. Um, so that would be very good. So, yeah, we're looking at this issue of how, how do you start a movement when you haven't got very much money, um, which most church leaders would probably argue that that is their situation, that, uh, I don't know many church leaders who say we've got too much cash or we're, we're struggling to spend the money that we've got is a, a pretty unusual uh, complaint. Um, so uh, let's get started. So perhaps the easiest way of beginning this is to, to, to talk about CCM. So that's Christ Church Manchester, the church that I'm one of the leaders of uh, in our city, uh, in the glorious city of Manchester, uh, and to kind of to talk a little bit about what we're doing and why we think it's cheap. Now, um, I will talk numbers at certain points, and you and your listening may decide that's not very cheap at all. <laughs> uh, but we, we, you know, we're making up as we go along. We think it's quite cheap. Um, so, um, so what we're doing in in Manchester is um, the the CCM way, I suppose, is we are planting churches across the city. And uh, that is our dream to keep doing that, to to plant churches uh, across all of Manchester and the kind of the surrounding areas, Salford, Trafford, those kind of areas we want to keep planting. And uh, I feel like we've only just scratched the surface, really. Uh, I guess CCM has been doing this probably for about a decade uh, and we're at five uh, sites. We've got six meetings um, in five different locations uh, and the We've only just started one in the city centre. Uh, and so I, I feel like we're learning uh, kind of with everyone we do. We're slightly better at it than we were two sites ago. And hopefully in a few more sites time, we'll be better again. Uh, and someone asked me the, uh, a few weeks ago, said, OK, well, have you reached the limit of how many you're going to plant? And uh, I it honestly had not even occurred to me. It was a, a, the, the question that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And I, actually, we we want to keep doing this. Um, until we retire, till we're taken out in coffins. I think that's what we'd like to do and hand it on to someone else who will carry on. Um, so there's no limit on the number of uh, churches we'd like to plant. Um, we, we just want to keep going. That's our plan. Uh, and so we think about our finances in those terms as well. So we're not thinking we're on a stretch and then we're going to stop and then we're happy, but actually we want to keep planting. Um, so why do we want to do that? Um and because I'm speaking quite pragmatically this evening, sometimes it can sound a little bit calculated and soulless, especially when you're talking about money. So it's important to talk a little bit of the why and to give context, because we have a clear philosophy of why we want to do the things that we do and clear reasons for the why we do it and clear philosophy in the how we do it, I suppose, as well. So we want to plant churches, but we want them to have 
um, devotion community mission at their core. So for us, a, a church is devotion, community and mission. That, that's that, that, that's what we want to plant. And if we plant somewhere that doesn't have one or two of those things, then we've not done a good job. So we're looking to plant uh, uh, communities of people that are devoted, so devoted to Jesus in every part of their lives. They're looking to work that out together, uh, live that out, that they are worshippers of him. So we're looking to um, plant churches that engage people on that level, help them to be devoted, help them to grow in their devotion. Community as well. We we want the gathered community of God's gathered community in lots of parts of our city. Um, so we want people to love each other, have fun together, laugh together, cry together, serve each other uh, and to grow together. So we don't think people grow in their devotion on their own in a vacuum. Actually, you do that in community, and that's really important. Uh, and mission as well, that each church that we plant, each site that we plant, um, wants to love and serve Manchester broadly and the community that they are part of. Um, that's really important to us. And that they are a people together who are advancing Jesus' kingdom. So uh, devotion, community, mission is is the sort of church that we want to plant, that we're attempting to plant. And it's important to say that because you could say, oh, we want to plant lots of churches and this is why we do money the way we do. Actually, there's a reason we want to plant churches in that particular way. Uh, and we do that with some clear cultures uh, that enable us to do that. And I'm not going to go into them in any great detail now, um, but we have uh, five, six, seven cultures um, which is culture for us is the way we do things around here. That's what we talk about. Um, so we have quite a clear strategy of wanting to plant churches and we have a, a kind of culture that we think will make those good churches. So there's no point planting churches with a workaholic, grumpy culture because that will not produce very nice people or very effective churches or very worshipful churches. And uh, so we want to produce them in the right way. And for us, culture makes strategy happen. Um, that's what we want to do. And the how of that is quite important as well, so before we talk about the money. Um, the how is that we have what we are calling now a, a multi-planting model. So we would describe ourselves as a multi-planting church, um, which is kind of similar to multi-site, but there are a few differences. Um, so for us, we realized that growth would come to us, growth in terms of the, the number of people that we have. Uh, the devotion of our people, the community activity of our people, the mission activity of our people, that growth would come when we planted something new. Um, so we we realized we had to plant to gather um, and that we weren't going to be able to gather in order to then plant. So we had to we had to plant in order to uh, see mission advance, community advance uh, and devotion advance. And that was important for us. Uh, we were, when we started this journey, not a big church, I think 40 or 50 people. I mean, we're not a particularly big church now. We're 300 people, but uh, we we weren't a big church that was stuck in a building uh, that we'd, we'd reached the limits of what we could do. We were a small church actually meeting in a huge cavernous building at the time uh, and realized actually we wanted to plant in lots of different parts of the city. Um, so we started with kind of entrepreneuring at, at, at the beginning of it, entrepreneuring to grow, not to solve a building problem, which is a bit of a sweeping statement about multi-site. It isn't true for uh, many multi-sites, but you kind of get my point. Um, and so we started with one church of 50 people, and that one church planted a small team, which effectively grew to about 50. That planted another church that sent out another small team, another church sent out another small team. Uh, and so 
that's kind of been our journey a little bit um, to the point now we have, like I said, five locations and six meetings. And we, um, we tend to start a new site, a new plant with 15 to 20 people there or thereabouts. Um, Tom O'Toole has just started in the city centre and he, I think he has about a core of about 15 or so, 15 plus and has started on a, on a Sunday. And we do it that way. We're confident that we'll be able to grow and add people to that. And we are aiming for, and it's always a bit weird when you talk about aiming for a number because we're aiming for devotion community mission. Um, but we realise practically 50 to 80 people in one meeting one community uh, is probably about our sweet spot. We, we realize that we know how to do that and that actually that sort of number is about average for the UK and is uh, average in America as well. That's the kind of average church size. So we, we decided pragmatically, well, if we aim for the average church size, instead of trying to break the average, which is actually quite hard to do, we would just keep planting on uh, uh, those sort of sizes. So we aim for uh, to get into about 50 to 80. And usually when we get to around that size, it's planting again. Um, so one of our sites, uh, which is about four years old, is now at nearly topping 80, actually. Uh, and we're looking to plant maybe two out of there. Um, so that's quite exciting. Uh, so we aim for that. We also aim to start quickly. Um, so we start one new site about every 18 months or so, um, that's our current pace, and we hope to increase that over the next uh, kind of year, couple of years, uh, to plant a bit more often. I guess as you get momentum, that gets easier. We have uh, high volunteer engagement, so um, and we kind of have to do that. You're forced to do that when you're 50 to 80 people. Really, it's all hands on deck all the time, which is, I think, a great discipleship thing, to be honest. And we're, we're a church of 300 people, but we are six meetings, so that means – there's a lot of people engaged at a lot of levels to do a lot of things, uh, uh, which is important to us. Uh, we also have a very low bar of leadership, which is, you know, why I get to be here, why we let people like Tommy have any sort of say in this thing. It's We decide that actually, for me, I knew that I wasn't leading anywhere else. Uh, I wasn't a church leader they recruited. I was a guy that hadn't led any church or anything like that. And most of our site leaders, that would be true, um, that they've all kind of come through our ranks and been brought through. Um, so we have a, a, a low bar to let people in and a high bar that we try and help them to get to. Um, yeah. And we uh, try and devolve as much kind of decision making power, so to speak, out to our site leaders uh, and to their teams. And we also try and involve as many of them in the center or the kind of operational center of CCM as well. Um, that's quite important to us in multi-planting. Uh, and like I've said, we, we start small. So that's kind of the way we do things. And all of that means, so our way of doing things, our devotion community mission, our multi-planting model, all of that means that we try to do things really very cheaply. Um, and we do it because we want to keep doing this at a pace and quite regularly. And it tends to be easy to do things at a pace uh, and to do these things regularly to keep planting when it isn't massively expensive. You tend to get nervous uh, when you're spending big amounts of money. So you get risk averse when you're spending big amounts of money. And we are trying to spend um, really relatively small amounts on each site. So uh, I was working this out today, me and our, our treasurer, every time we do a, a new budget, a yearly budget, and we know we've got a site plan uh, that year, we, we budget for 10,000 uh, pounds. We think the first year, to plant a new site will cost us 10 grand. Uh, and uh, that has kind of borne out over a number of sites, actually. And that's usually based on the fact 
that uh, half of that roughly is venue costs. So the new site uh, has gone through the phase of kind of midweek group, prayer meeting, uh, core team gathered, and then they're at the 15 or 20 and then they're starting a Sunday meeting uh, and um, that costs venue. So usually up until that point, they've been free. Um, and then this point, they cost venue hire and then a, a day a week staff is usually what we try and give to it. Um, and actually some of our, I think one of our sites, the first year the, the guy did uh, was on staff, wasn't on staff. He was a volunteer. We didn't pay him. Uh, so that was really cheap. But um, we've realized that a day a week staff, um, that gives enough time really to run a meeting and to innovate a little bit and entrepreneur and get people in. And that's year one. So that's how cheap we try and do it. Um, so, uh, and we, we kind of operate uh, with a few uh, principles in, in how we think about our money. Um, and they're, they're a little bit intuitive. So I've been thinking about this and writing these down. And Actually, they've developed over a bit of time uh, and they've developed because we've been um, blessed with some very gifted people financially and some gifted leaders as well. And so these are kind of these haven't all just come out of my head. They come out of numbers of people uh, working together. Uh, so I'm going to give you six principles uh, that we work for in order to start a church planting movement on a shoestring budget. And our dream really is that um, we would our next phase that we're praying for is that we would get eight sites and 500 people. That's kind of our next phase um, that we're working towards. And then after that, I should think we'll be looking at similar kind of numbers all over again, uh, whether we're looking at how we get uh, 1,000 people in, in 10, 12, uh, 13 sites. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, but we want to keep planting. Uh, and so we're thinking, okay, well, what are our principles uh, for how we budget this? Uh, and the first principle, uh, which is glaringly obvious, is we have a tight budget. Now, I'm sure every church planner and church leader on the face of the earth would say we have a, ch a tight budget. Um, but let me explain what I mean by that. So it's tight in the fact that it's well organized. Um, so we, we gather lots and lots of information. Uh, our information that we have is uh, up, to the, up to date for the day. Um, we um, try and keep all of our site leaders uh, very well informed as to the money they're spending and the money that they're getting. Um, we, we, we involve them very much in that. So we have a kind of up-to-date uh, um, tracking, that's the word, of our income. So we know exactly what we're getting in. We can uh, plan over a whole year because we can largely predict what we're going to get over that year um, based on what we've got over a number of years now. So we uh, have pretty good history of working out what our income is uh, and also our outgoings as well. So um, we, we set a budget for as much as we possibly can. And because we've been doing it a few years now, you kind of know all the, the costs that are coming in. Uh, so we have a pretty tight understanding of, of our outgoings as well. And it, it's tight, I suppose, because numbers of people get to know their budgets. So all the site leaders will know exactly what they've got to spend and what we expect they're going to get in. And then they can work within those parameters. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we have good projected spends, good projected income, uh, and we set income targets as well for our site leaders, which, again, sounds very pragmatic when you're talking about people's um, giving. And we talk about giving as being it's worship, isn't it? So we're, we're pragmatically talking about people's worship in a strange way. But uh, I think it's helpful to demystify it and talk about it very pragmatically. Um, and obviously, we look to be very diligent in how we stretch what we have. And I'll talk a bit more about that um, later. Um, and that's really important. And we've been 
uh, bless actually we have excellent trustees who are totally on board with how we want to do things they hold us to account really well we have a brilliant treasurer as well who built us because he's a genius uh, a bespoke finance system for a multi-site church, particularly a multi-planting church. Actually, the system we have now, I've seen the systems that uh, some churches have uh, much bigger than us, 1,000 people use, and ours holds up very well against them. Um, so that's really important. In terms of those sort of systems and structures, I, I won't go into loads of detail because it's a bit dull. Um, but I, in terms of uh, income and things like that and giving and how you um, how you work out systems for that, there's a book by quite a guy called Nelson Searcy, uh, his book called Maximize that we read um, as a leadership together about four or five years ago. Uh, and that was very provocative. We didn't do everything that he said uh, to do because um, there are some American things which were would be a bit slightly culturally different, but more pragmatically how they're organized different in terms of gift aid and things like that, um, which are different to us. Uh, but it's worth reading just because his philosophy, um, which we'll come to again in a bit, was for me personally, I found really helpful, very liberating indeed. Um, so we have a tight budget. Uh, the second principle that we have is we have a faith budget as well. So we every year that I've been here, we have planned to spend more than we get. So in the first year up here, they uh, the church recruited me and, and said, we'll pay you full time for a year. And I was like, great, I'll take the job. It's fine. And it was only after that I realized that by them agreeing to pay me full time, they were effectively planning to empty their bank account onto me. Um, and it never happened. By the end of the year, the money that they planned to spend on me was still there. And we've done that every year since, uh, plans uh, to spend more than we think we're going to get. Uh, and that's deliberate, actually, because that sort of um, faith step keeps you motivated for financial health, doesn't it? When you think you're going to lose money, uh, lose money that people have given to you as part of their worship, it keeps you very attentive and um, what you're doing. So usually we're budgeting to lose about, 10 grand most years. Um, this year, actually, it was a lower one. We're budgeting to lose about uh, six grand, I think it was, um, which isn't too bad. And part of that budget also sees projected increase in giving as well. So if we don't match that, it could be a bigger loss. Um, but we'll see. It'll be fine. Um, so we usually actually budgeting to lose the amount it costs to plant a site. So each site is a, a step out for us uh, in faith. Um, and that's important, actually. And the trustees are, are wonderful and are always wanting us to do that uh, they're keen for us to do that so which is exciting uh, so we have a tight budget which actually honors the trustees as well knowing that we're diligent and well organized and a faith budget which also honors everybody we're in this together we want to do something very big we want to do something exciting something that we get to tell our kids about and part of that is how we spend our money the third principle is that we we start small and we dream big uh, which is a, I've been thinking about this one quite a bit. Like I've said, each site starts with 15 to 20 people uh, and is very cheap. So 10 grand, I think. I've, I know other multi-site churches where they're sending sometimes 100 people uh, to start a new site or more, maybe 40 or 50 people in there. Sometimes there's a full timer there or someone on three days a week and the venue's quite expensive and they're spending a lot more. And we're trying to go really cheap. Uh, one of our guys was planning a site in a room that was about 150 quid a week uh, and we had to think about it quite a bit because that was a bit more than usual uh, for, for an early one for, for early startup uh, so uh, we, we try and uh, start small dream big uh, and all sites that we plant start with the intention of planting again uh, real quickly uh, so we're not waiting for it to get to 150 we're waiting for it to get to 50 and then have someone with a real desire to go and start 
somewhere else. And we we do that regularly. And actually, it's become a little bit part of the, the lifeblood of the church. It's how we've discipled ourselves, I suppose, to to in terms of smallness and entrepreneuring and going again. Uh, and that's quite an important part of what we do. And the starting small dreaming big means we start each site as an investment. Um, but the dream is that they become a contributor. That's our hope that actually the sites are interdependent on each other. So we don't, we kind of, we try not to get in the situation where the site planter wants to grow it just so that they can, uh, they can go from one day to two or three days salary. We want them to grow it so they can be a net contributor to a church planting movement in the whole city. Um, and so it isn't just a, about that one area. So we want all of our sites to be able to contribute uh, to planting a new site somewhere else, somewhere uh, very different, maybe a very poor part of the city, and then to all feel ownership of it. Uh, and so uh, we start small, we dream big, and that's an important part of it. Uh, so, for example, when uh, I first moved up, there was one site in Gorton, one of the poorest parts of Manchester, uh, and but that site funded church planting into Fallowfields and probably into Withington as well, was a huge con- contributor to the whole city. Uh, and so that kind of became very important to us that actually everywhere, every site is a contributor to the whole city, not just to itself. Um, the fourth principle is uh, slightly more practical, pragmatic, is that we are part-time and we are bivocational, um, which it would be true for everybody at some point and for most of us now. Um, so we are built on part-time stuff. Now, to be an entrepreneur, to plant or, or even to start a new business, actually, the money that you want to invest is in growing something, not necessarily in paying yourself. If you can live cheap or have multiple income streams, that means you're leaving money which can be invested in other things, perhaps other staff members with other skills or uh, projects or initiatives that are going to grow your church, grow your business, whatever it may, may be. Um, so part-time bivocational became quite important to us. So all of our staff, um, well, most of our staff, so all of our staff, let's say at some point, uh, have um, been part-time and had extra income. So we currently have eight staff and only two of those are full-time. So that would be, I'm one of the full-timers. Colin Barron is another full-timer, although not strictly speaking. Um, and I've only been full-time since last year, summer last year. Uh, and up until then, for about six years, I was part-time. And that was important. Uh, and I earned money in other places. So I had a few other kind of one-day-a-week jobs. Uh, but also, my wife, uh, Vicky, she, um, she works as well part-time. And our kids are at the stage where... I would do some childcare by being part-time and she would do some childcare by being part-time. And actually that's a pretty good model for how it's working for a number of our people actually. So we have numbers of people who only give a day a week working for us uh, and um, have other jobs as well. And that's quite important. Uh, And so there is an expectation of part-time and we never promise full-time to anybody really. Uh, When I, I started my first year, I was full-time and then actually, actually, it was only about 10 months. And at 10 months, I got dropped part-time. And it was made very clear, this may never go full-time again. You have to plan uh, to other ways of earning money, other ways of making a living, um, which would be true for us. For any of our people that work for us now, there is no promise of full-time. Um, and that's quite important. 
Um, and it means for us, actually, the part-time bivocational means for as a church, as an organization, that it's quite easy for us to take employment steps. Um, so it's, it's real hard to employ someone full-time to be a member of staff, uh, especially in church planting, but in church generally, because that's, that's a big lump of cash. And so it takes a lot of debating whether you want to spend, actually, even for a cheap member of staff, with everything costed in, it could be 30 grand for a full-time member of staff, let's say. That's a lot of money for us. So, um, But it's much easier to say, look, why don't you come and work for us one day a week? That's a much easier financial step. So the trustees feel much happier. We feel much happier. It's easy to budget that in for numbers of people. Uh, and it's it takes the pressure off us as a church. So it means somebody hasn't built their life on full-time work with us. Uh, and it also takes the pressure off um, the planter, because often we're paying planters a day a week. It takes the pressure off them thinking, this thing's got to succeed because this church is paying a lot of money on me. And you say, actually, if this thing grows slowly, I'm only being paid a day or two days uh, a week. Actually, that gives more room for moving. Uh, it's not as dramatic if the thing doesn't work out, um, uh, but also it gives some space. So that's quite useful for us. Um, our fifth principle is uh, discipleship. So how a church runs its budgets, its finances, is an opportunity to disciple in money. And Jesus talked a huge amount about money. Uh, and perhaps um, us church leaders tend to be scared of talking about money. We feel like there's baggage there, although I think that's more in the mind of church leaders often than in the people of the church, to be honest. Um, and so for us, discipleship is really very important. It's something Nelson Searcy says when he talks about maximise he talks about how to uh, develop income and giving within your church. And he says the first principle is this is a discipleship issue. This is not a fundraising issue. So we're not fundraisers. We are disciples. That's really important. Uh, so we want to be very transparent as a church. So we give yearly financial reports to everyone at CCM, uh, um, which I'm sure other churches do as well. I'm just saying what well, we do. Uh, we do that. Um, we talk a lot about what Jesus says about money. Um, we talk a lot about that. We usually do uh, in each site uh, a sermon series on uh, giving. Uh, usually we talk about giving to the church, uh, attitude to money, attitude to saving, attitudes to debt, um, those sorts of things. We'll do a sermon series around those issues. And we'll do that usually once a year, once every 18 months in every site. We do two um, special offering Sundays uh, every year, uh, one which goes into a a particular um, a budgetary line in church, whether that's a mission or, or events that we've got to do uh, or something like that. And the other one we give away um, usually to projects uh, working with the poor uh, in Manchester or internationally as well. We've done two. Uh, and those special offerings, uh, because we, we give away the biggest money we've ever raised, we've given away again. Um, and actually that teaches uh, generosity. Uh, and so whenever we talk about giving, and we talk about finances, we do it often, and we talk about it in terms of discipleship, in terms of this is, a, this is a worship issue for us. So the church's finances, how we run things, is a worship issue. Uh, and that's really important for us as staff as we spend, for our trustees as they watch over kind of what we do, knowing that we're all trying to do this to worship God. So that makes us diligent as well. That's really important. Uh, and the final one is generosity. So we've looked at principles are we tight budget, we have faith budget. We start small, but we dream big. Uh, we're part-time and bivocational. It's discipleship. 
and finally it's generosity so we want to give away that's a dream for us we we want to give away uh, stacks of cash um, and I know other churches do this as well but I, this feels important for us in terms of wanting to start a, um, a church planting movement generosity is really important and we've tried to build this in uh, to us as a church um, by some of the things we fund so broadcast this thing at the moment we we built this we designed this as a, a church planting kind of training resource and support for church planters, uh, whether we planted them, whether they found us on the internet, whoever it was. Um, and we set this up and uh, we pay for most of this ourselves and we charge nobody for it. So when we first set it up, we thought, well, maybe we can charge, maybe we can kind of recoup some costs. And we realized actually we don't want to do that at all. We want to give everything away. We want to uh, use this as an opportunity uh, to, to worship. And that's important for us. We set up a, a theology training school in CCM, um, which is, a monthly training, just one Saturday morning a month, really high standard, excellent speakers that we get coming in uh, from all over the country, actually really talented people. Uh, and this is all paid for by CCM uh, and lots of our people go, but actually numbers of people from other churches have started coming along and now as well now. And we're saying this is completely free. We want no money from you at all. Actually, this is worship for us. Also run a school of leadership on a similar principle as well. Um, all of our interns, our year teamers, we don't ask them to raise any money to do anything with us. We pay for all of their training. So generosity is really important to us as well. That's a principle. We we try to give away as much as we possibly can for free, um, That we as much as we can. That's an important principle. Um, so principles, tight budget. Okay, We, we want to be well organized, have great information, really up to date. Uh, we want people to know that information. That's really important. Uh, and uh, we have a faith budget. So we're always budgeting to spend more than we get. Um, that's important. It keeps us diligent, keeps us on our toes, keeps us motivated. We want to start small and dream big. So we start with a small church plant, but those 15 to 20 people become net contributors to a church planting movement in the whole city. It's important. They're not just growing in order to establish themselves as their own little unit. They're growing in order to support the whole of Christ Church Manchester. We're part time and bivocational. Uh, so uh, we're most of our staff are part-time. All of them have been part-time, uh, and that's important to us. We employ usually one day at a time uh, to keep things cheap, uh, to keep things growing. Uh, this is discipleship for us. We want to disciple our church, our people, in how to be good with money, how to be generous with money. Uh, and finally, we want to be generous. We want to give away lots of what we have um, to, to our own people, uh, but also to the wider church as well. So for us, that's kind of how we're thinking. How how do we start a church planting movement on a shoestring budget? And there are principles. Uh, and I hope next year that we're going to be able to plant two more churches, which would take us up to eight meetings in seven locations, which would be brilliant. About You talked about the joint financial review. Um, the question was, is this presented at individual sites or in a, in a meeting format, or is it report that's handed out? What does that look like? Uh, we do it as a handed out report. Um, so we, we, um, we, yes, this year I sent a letter to everybody via their site. So they got handed out on the Sunday and we uh, sent it around as an email as well. Um, so that tends to be how we do it. Uh, we haven't ever done it in a in a big meeting. Um, we have sometimes, and as part of our offerings on Sundays, given little updates. 
Um, but we found that people weren't really listening. So <laughs> some people aren't that interested. Uh, the interested people tend to read and then ask questions. Uh, and, and most people just seem to want to know that there was money there and we weren't being stupid. So, yeah. That's a, that's a very good answer. Me not being a particularly money person would appreciate that very much. <laughs> but I also appreciate the people that love this subject as well. Um, so go, talking about trustees, and obviously you're talking about your um, the multi-planting model. Um, will it be always that you will have trustees, uh, you know, a set of trustees that will serve all of the sites, as same with the treasurer for, treasurer for all of the sites, or will you ever look to separate these out? Uh, you can never say never. My, I would hope not. Um, so our strength is that we're they're interdependent um, and that they all work together. Um, and the strength of so one of the difficult things about being a, a church plant is sometimes there's really not many of you, and perhaps all the people you've got can't count or are mathematically illiterate or just don't care about money. Uh, and so you often it then falls just to the, the church planner to work out all of the budgets themselves, to run the finances themselves, to uh, probably be a trustee, to do all of those things. There are other things that trustees do, child protection, uh, employment law, uh, just loads and loads of things like that. Uh, and one of the benefits of us all being together is – that means church planters can concentrate on church planting and not worry, have to worry about boring things that have already been done. Um, yeah. So they don't have to kind of become a charity all of themselves and go through all of that. Actually, we can plant a church pretty quickly in a difficult part of the city. Uh, and we've all, they're already set up policies and procedures kind of roll over to them as well. So it, it feels to me that, that that's a pretty good way at the moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Very good. Pooling resources. Um, OK, that's an excellent one. Uh, let's start. go right back then. Um, and the question that came in fairly near the beginning was this one. How much attention should a brand new church planter who has 15 people with them give to finance? What financial systems should they put in place straight away? And what comes later? It's mm, a great question. Well, if it was me, if I was like, if I left Manchester and moved to another city and planted a church, I was on my own and um, I had, yeah, that 15 or 20 people and that was it. And just then I'd pay a huge amount of attention to the money. Um, it wouldn't take long because there wouldn't be that much money to pay attention to. But I, I would I would be setting um, like anything you set what your vision is, what you want to achieve. And then you set your finances in order to be able to do that. Um, so as a church planner, I would be paying attention to my own personal finances. So what money am I earning um, for myself? Um, and that doesn't have to be out of the church, it can be out of other places, other jobs. Uh, and therefore, the because usually the church planter is the most expensive thing in the plant um, at that stage. And therefore, the, 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 the money that people are contributing can be used for lots of other things. But I think it's important to have really good records early on um, because it builds trust I think it's good to have good systems in place because, again, it builds trust. It shows competence. I think it's, you know, quite biblical to to think, actually, the small thing I've got, I've got to look after it really well. Uh, and also, I think when you have a good understanding of the money you've got, you can actually talk to people about giving. And it's not just then, oh, can you give to the church? That, that would really help us because there's always follow-up questions. Well, how much money have you got? And if you're saying, oh, I don't really know, 
um, then I'm not going to give you any money because I don't trust you. Uh, so I, I would I would look at it a quick and in detail early on and build some systems quickly. So to be able to see what you're spending on in your in your first year, if you're recording everything you spend on, you realize you've overspent, then at least you know where you've overspent and you can adjust. Um, and also knowing where your money is coming from, um, yeah. which some church leaders struggle with the idea of knowing who gives money. But if you're a church planner, you have to know because nobody else is going to know. So you, in terms of that, that's quite important as well for bringing leaders through and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Um, that's a really helpful answer. Um, we have got, oh, yeah, you talked about um, talking about overspending and looking at where you've uh, done that and analysing what you spent your things on. The question came in, what things have you seen lots of church planters spending money on that actually isn't very necessary? That's a good uh, question. Uh, usually themselves. That would probably be the, 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 the thing. Um, so uh, Colin, actually Colin Barron, would often say that uh, the, the, what usually the, the first spending mistake that church planters uh, make is on either their own salaries or on the next person that they employ. Um, and so I guess we, we try and spend our money on things that are going to grow the church. Um, so we've actually, we've actually been quite slack on administration and um, things like that. And we're only just in the last year or so have put that right a little bit and have realized we need to put it right even more, I think. Um, so I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think church planters can not overpay themselves necessarily, but um, can try and get full time too quickly. And I, if you can hold back from that and employ someone else, um, that, that can always, that can be a really helpful thing. Uh, or perhaps going for a venue, which is ridiculous, can, can be something as well, um, which can just cripple you if you're not careful. What was, can you just, um, you said about spending your money paying somebody else. What what did you mean? Uh, so, so your first employment decision has to be, uh, sometimes you think, I just want to employ someone who's going to take away the jobs from me that I hate doing or that I'm not very good at, um, which is, can be a very na natural thing to think. Um, but actually, that may not grow the church. You may have employed someone who's going to make your life easier, but the church will it won't grow them in, as disciples. It won't grow them numerically. Uh, and so the, your first employment decision has to be, uh, who can I employ who's going to help me add more people to this? Because if you add more people, um, talking pragmatically and coldly about this, you add more money, really. People are going to give more. And then actually you might at that point be able to employ someone who can uh, take some of the admin, for example, off you. So I think that for me that you think, OK, can I employ someone who is going to grow us? Um, in discipleship and in number. I think that's that's a really important thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a really helpful bit of clarity there. Um, and in terms of employing people, you mentioned about um, you had somebody from one of your sites that um, d wasn't, you know, giving one day a week, was a volunteer, I think you referred to them as. Um, do you have, still have any sites that are up and running with no paid leaders? Um, or yeah. do you feel, oh, go on then, do you just want to comment yeah. on that? Yeah, yeah. So the guys in Gorton, uh, actually, the, the leader of the Gorton Church, he's uh, he's self-employed uh, in his job and uh, he runs the church in his spare time. Um, and uh, he has a really good team of people there. Um, actually, there we have two senior leaders in that in that site and they, they are both full time. One of them is retired. So just gives a whole bunch of time volunteering. Uh, he's our chair of trustees as well. And um, 
yeah, the, the world would stop spinning without him a little bit. And um, then the, the guy who leads the site there, yeah, he's self-employed. He sells rugs online and makes a very good living out of it, does very well and does all of his church stuff in his spare time. Um, and uh, he, he's at the stage of life where his kids are, are at university. Uh, and so I, he, I'm, I'm speaking for him. I, I'm, I'm guessing maybe it's easier now than when his kids were little. But he's, he's just set up his life in a way that he can do it now, um, which is ace. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, those guys do really well over there, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, that's helpful. Um, okay, back to another question that came in earlier. Um, when and how do you encourage people in your church plants core team to give financially? That might be quite straightforward, that one, but see what you say. Yeah, uh, yeah, I just I talk about it from early on straight away. So um, it's actually, I would think... I would think if you go at the stage of 15 to 20, if you're planting, you're probably not thinking about yourself being paid. You're probably at the midweek community group stage looking at a Sunday meeting and working out how you can do it in your spare time. Uh, and so then I'd be saying, look, we're all in this together. Um, we we need to reflect Jesus to our town. Jesus said these things about money. Um, so let's let's all start giving into this um a bank account we'll set up a charity so I, I think you should do it straight away be very clear and say if we if we put money into these things then we can hire a venue we can buy a pa we can give to the poor we can run an alpha course um uh, i th- yeah and I, I think that should be an exciting thing and not a not a scary thing i shouldn't we shouldn't be scared of asking that stuff i think that's yeah. that should be a really exciting thing yeah okay um and of course if you haven't got the blessing of the multi-site dynamic and you're meeting in a home but you've got a core of course you haven't got venue costs at that point have you so people can be giving into a pot which might um be a bit of a startup fund anyway if you've got no other means of of a startup fund so it works that way doesn't it um right if a church planter oh sorry if a church wants to plant again and doesn't have a 10 10 grand in the budget to fund the first year um how would you they suggest they go about doing it? Uh, well, fund. yeah, yeah. So our 10 grand is, I assume that four or five grand of that is um, for a venue and four or five grand of that is to pay someone one day a week. So that's our assumption. So you can easily half that by not paying someone and kind of do it on volunteer basis. Um, I mean, if you've got a church that want to do that, let's say that let's go on what I've talked about. There's maybe 50 of you and you've realized that you it's there's always a faith element to this. So I actually said when I was talking that most times we look to spend more than we think we're going to get. Uh, and that is usually around the 10 grand mark. So we use when we're planting, we're usually looking to stretch out in a way that we haven't got. Um, and it's just a, it's a kingdom principle there in order you have to push through that. Um, so, I mean, there are lots of ways around it. You can talk very publicly. This is what we want to do. This is going to cost us money. It'd be great to increase giving. We're going for this increase over the year uh, or, or to do a special offering for it or whatever may be. Um, there's usually a bunch of things you can do to make things cheap. Um, and uh, actually, when we planted the first one that I planted in Fallowfields, um, I, I was allowed to meet in a bar for 20 quid a week. Um, and that did us fine for the oh, first yeah. year. And yeah. currently we're, we're using a venue which costs 60 quid a week um, for mm. one of our other ones. Uh, so there are ways of it doesn't have to be expensive. Now, that, 
if you're planning in London, it's a whole different ball game or, or even the centre of Manchester is more, more expensive. Um, but there, there are ways to do it. And it should be that way. I think it shouldn't be easy. I think it, you should have to talk and talk about money and work out how you're going to raise money. I think that's, I think if you can learn to do that, then you can do it again. Yeah. Um, and in terms of just the income and managing when you're starting off, um, you, you obviously a model that you're using is the bivocational, um, with the exception of, of that one that you've got where uh, the guy is self-employed. Um, what sort of jobs are going to work best in this kind of scenario? Um, and are there any jobs that, that you think that actually don't work quite so well? You've seen people kind of try to do that and it actually not work at all. Uh, you know, I don't know about that, to be honest. Um, I mean, I think something that we, we say to people, so some of the, the guys I work with who are planting churches are kind of on the front line and really small team. Um, I'd say sometimes it's any job just to get yourself moving. And then re- I always say, look, whatever you've got energy to do after that is what you can do. And you shouldn't beat yourself up for not being able to do more than that. So some people can just have got all the energy in the world and can fill there every evening with stuff. And it doesn't matter what they're doing at work. Um, yeah. And some people, it's they, they need to just be honest and real and pace themselves. Um, for us, for, for me and Vicky, it works because she was a nurse. She is a nurse and working shift. And because actually I was three days paid by the church and actually the church is quite flexible. So sometimes those three days could stretch out over five or six in a week. Um, I could then I could work around her shift work and then look after the kids on other days. So it, it really depends on your family, your family situation, what you've personally got faith and energy to be able to do. Um, I just think you should kind of pick your sweet spot, what you can do and be really honest about it. And don't beat yourself up if you can't do more than that. Um, I mean, I, I know people who have quite high pressure jobs who are quite senior in their organizations uh, yeah. I mean, I know you guys actually work very hard in Swansea outside of your church. And mm-hmm. so the question is, that, therefore, what energy have we got left to be able to do that as well? Um, and you, you have to be real about how that affects your kids as well as your marriage, as well as all those other things, too. So I, I'm not sure there's a perfect job or a bad job. I think you just yeah. have to be real and honest about it. Yeah. OK. Um, and uh, trust God, I guess, that you get the part time contract and hours and things that fit, really, isn't it? So, like you said, yeah. it's a faith thing. Um, yeah. OK, so um, we're coming to the end. We've got a couple more questions. This is and they're, they're kind of linked. So I'll, I'll read them both and you can kind of uh, give some wisdom on, on how these fit um, the answers. So we've got um, a question about um, the fact that you're a multi, again, back to the, the multi-planting model, and you're planting into different areas. Um, do you find one area is superseding income targets that is then subsidising the lower income sites um, and how that works? A comment on that. Um, and, and another question on that really is, is the amount of money each site of the multi-plant gets to spend directly linked to the amount they bring in? Yeah. Um uh, we find some sites that exceed what they um, exceed the, the money that we expect. And we see others that don't do as well. Um, and I'm fine with both of those things. So when we started, so when me and Vicky joined, it was just one church in Gorton, uh, which is uh, a, a poorer side of the city. The regeneration hasn't reached there. Um, it tends to be low income families uh, and asylum seekers, uh, and just much more social problems, where areas that every city has got. 
uh, and that church funded a plant into Studentville uh, and the more middle class area. So it was the wrong way round. And most other churches would do it the other way. And the, yeah. the, the middle class area funds this. Uh, and actually, that was I think it was just really good for us. And it built something in there thinking, actually, these these guys gave a lot of money and um, that was spent on other people. Uh, and spent on a church that they didn't go to they didn't get the kids work they didn't yeah. uh, get the worship band they didn't get the pastoral support from the people they paid for um and, and actually there, there's an important principle in that for us in ccm i think actually we we want to give away uh, and so there there is no correlation between how much a site spends and how much it gets at all um we do when it's when a new site starts a brand new one uh, we, we don't throw like three days staff time at a site with only 15 people. Um, we yeah. just we just don't. That's not fair. Well, fair is the wrong word. That's just I don't know what they do with that much time and those uh, that many people. I know that I, I didn't need that much time early on because because of the multi-planning model. It's much more shared around. Um, mm. So the, the interdependent thing is really important for us. I think we we want there to be some sites which give a lot more and the money goes to other places. And that's a really important part of their narrative and their story yeah. uh, that this is what we do. Um, but it's also really important that uh, people in um, poorer parts of the city understand that actually what they give affects the church and the whole of Manchester. They're yeah. not, they're not basket cases who have been supported by the rich people actually we are all in this together we are an inter interdependent group um, and we are all contribute when we plant a church uh, so the the guys in gorton in withington in uh, burnage where i leads uh, in fallowfield are all involved financially uh, and in and as we pray as well but in in finance in the city center plant and that's really important uh, and all of us are involved in Gorton and most of us will never go there. But actually, it's really important to us and our money helps run it. And it's true for everywhere. So that feels like it's quite and that's how it works at the moment. Uh, and that might work like that because of the size. I mean, if we if we got to 10 sites, it, it could be a different it could be a different ball game. And we've not really we've not hugely been in a situation where one site is bleeding money and causing difficulty. We, we yeah. haven't been there yet. Um, and that's partly because of the size we're at. We don't, we don't go for um, things that are very costly at this stage. So it, it, it's been relatively simple. So it might be worth asking me that question in, in five years time when we've, it might be a different story. So, yeah. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that Tim said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 106. See you next time.